Hello, I'm Greg. Let's have an inappropriate conversation about echoes via talkbacks. bit of a mouthful, echoes via via talkbacks, but it means something in particular to me. Uh, in the last episode of Inappropriate Conversations, which was the last episode I recorded with some uncertainty about what might happen in my making the jump to Spotify, I mentioned that I would probably have to address some of the things that was going to go on in that transition because I wasn't sure what to expect. And of course, now I know. Inappropriate Conversations and Walk the Earth which share the RSS feed at inappropriateconversations.org, are now on Spotify. And this show is going to be a little bit of an introduction for people who might be new to Inappropriate Conversations as a podcast via Spotify. But it's also going to take a look at what the strategy is kind of going forward. Talk Back, for me, is not a new idea. Since the name of this show, going all the way back to 2010, has been inappropriate conversations, and it's generally speaking not an interview show, meaning conversations is in the title, but there's not that many conversations in past episodes. I thought that one of the things I could do when I look back in time at previous examples, previous episodes, is to call them talkbacks. And I've done that online before, on Twitter, where I'm IC underscore Greg, or on Facebook, where there's a page for both Inappropriate Conversations and Walk the Earth, two separate podcasts, two separate pages. It, of course, all comes together at the website, inappropriateconversations.org. And since I'm covering this introductory material, I might as well just throw in that I also take feedback at uh, ic underscore greg at hotmail.com. Gives you a sense both of how old this particular podcast is, having just made a debut on a platform like Spotify, and also um, whether or not I might have had long-term expectations for the show lasting, because I've just left everything as it originally was set up, meaning still using a Hotmail account for email after all of these years. But what I did a few years ago when I knew I was up in the hundreds for episodes recorded and released was when I would put out a new inappropriate conversation show, I would just shave 100 off the number of the episode and post as a talkback the episode of the show that was 100 episodes back. Just in a way of randomly, somewhat randomly, sequentially but randomly, posting a previous show, looking back in time. And what happened last year as I was preparing for the holiday season, November, December, as it turned out even into January and February, was I made a decision to post short introductions but then share past Inappropriate Conversations podcasts in their entirety. Part of the reason for doing this was to try to make a statement for the holidays about times where Christmas or Christmas-adjacent shows were themes of past episodes. That led me to decide that maybe if uh, the one long, and by long I mean three and a half hours long, episode of Inappropriate Conversations was too much for some people to handle, uh, that I would cut it up into pieces and release it in six parts throughout the month of January. And one thing led to another, but that tended to work pretty well for me. So I'm thinking about doing some of that again, partly to get through the busy holiday season, 
but also partly as a strategy for working with Spotify. So now, having evolved from a post on Facebook or a post on Twitter of a show 100 episodes back, give or take, or something relevant in the news again, because um, this is not a current events show. So typically, an Inappropriate Conversations podcast, even if it's making reference to something that has happened recently, I hope has more of an evergreen quality to it, because I'm not dealing with news per se. I may be making reference to it and commentary about it, and every now and then that commentary becomes relevant yet again. We'll see a little bit of that. I know for sure I'll make at least one, at least I plan to make, at least one reference to a past Inappropriate Conversations show when we get to the different drummer. So the format would be in a talkback episode, quick introduction, my favorite bumper music is a clip from uh, Kevin McLeod. Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com is the source I use for just about all of the bumpers and the theme music to the show. And then just posting as is, warts and all, that past episode. Feels like I need to talk a little bit about what warts and all might mean, because when you're going back 10 years, even if I've tried to be really careful, conservative, if you will, about keeping the same email address and keeping uh, the same website, keeping some things as the same as I can, uh, there's obviously been evolutions along the way. One of the things that jumps immediately to mind is that I use uh, promos, typically promos for other podcasts, to break up points in the uh, recording where I just need to shift gears or even just take a break, collect, uh, take a deep breath, collect my thoughts. And those pauses, sometimes intentional and planned and sometimes just sort of happening, give me a place to insert a promotional clip for shows that I enjoy. The challenge there is that 10 years in, there's going to be a lot of references to podcasts that don't exist anymore and perhaps even references to, um, even where it's not just purely a podcast, CDs that are no longer available for sale, for example. That will happen. So it's inherent in the risk of a talkback show that it's understood that uh, the website is different. Now I'm at inappropriateconversations.org, also inappropriateconversations.com, redirects. These early shows were pointing to the Podbean location instead. Now, I'm still on Podbean. That will play a role in the things I want to discuss in this in this episode. And while I'm tempted to flag this episode as an intro, it also will be tagged for the different drummer, as I always do. This time that would be a musician, composer, songwriter, kind of a different drummer. But this, this episode feels like it's got a bit of an introductory kind of a flavor to it. And some of that is just helping people understand what will happen if it's not just that there'll be postings for both the Walk the Earth podcast and the Inappropriate Conversations podcast, but there'll be talkbacks to both of those that look back in time. And part of the reason that I did that was when I originally made the decision to figure out, well, first off, to figure out why Podbean wasn't already just queuing me up to uh, share this particular podcast on Spotify, I sorted out that I've kind of been working in the same vein, again, very conservatively. And by that, I mean, without wanting to make changes, kind of keep things the way they are, that definition of the term conserve, that I was on an outdated, kind of grandfathered into an outdated version of a Podbean plan 
that for one of about $9 a month on average in terms of charges, was ineligible for Spotify. So I began to explore that because I've only recently become a regular Spotify user. Now, my kids got there ahead of me. Uh, that would be typical when you have, you know, then college-age kids, now grown, grown young adults as kids. They got there before me, and part of the reason that I wasn't in such a big hurry to do so is that I carry 25, 26,000 songs with me on my phone on a regular basis. But earlier this year, I got a phone scare. And in the process of dealing with that phone scare, I realized that maintaining a separate 200 gigabyte or larger external SD card with my phone limited my choices on what I might do next if I needed to replace my phone and replace my phone by going to a new model. This is somewhat reminiscent of the Walk the Earth podcast, where the decision to leave a church where my family had been members for at least 15 years and go in a different direction was a different direction, not just to a new congregation, but likely as not, as it turned out, to a new denomination. It was moving to a new model completely as far as it goes. And so I looked at that and thought to myself, well, maybe after all these years, it's worth taking a look at Spotify. And I thought that for a couple of reasons. First, I've experienced it kind of as a passenger in the car. I've I've been in the room where Spotify happens from friends or family before, so I wasn't totally unfamiliar. But when that service was originally introduced many years ago, I was, of course, skeptical because I thought to myself, there is going to be a ton of things which are not capably represented for me. Things where my tastes are just too eclectic, or places where there might be genuine gaps in Spotify's offerings, or things where, even if it wasn't a matter of, of eclectic taste per se, it came down to, I just have MP3 tracks on my phone that are music my friends have recorded and shared in a fairly narrow way, and I'm not even expecting that Spotify would have some of those things available. And it's not, still, even today, not an insignificant number. The approach that I finally used when I got my phone, my phone back and the SD card's still there, still functioning. The only thing I really lost by replacing phones was a few playlists. Not in the end, the tragic circumstances that I was kind of dealing with. Not that I don't have backups of all these music files, but just the process of reloading and reset, setting everything up again from scratch would just seem too daunting. But I went through an exercise after signing up for Spotify, finding the service to be uh, more satisfactory than I thought, not just meeting expectations, but exceeding them in, in some ways, and deciding that maybe it was time, after having spent decades consuming my own music, to allow some of the casual nature of streaming to creep in, that I could choose for a time to add songs that I would probably never buy on CD, and then later on just weed them out if I didn't want them to be part of what I would consider to be my personal playlists. I also was really skeptical that Spotify would do a good job with their daily mixes. When you read about it in articles and hear about it in interviews, it just seemed highly unlikely to me that the service would be successful at providing a six-pack of mixes that I would truly enjoy. I had a feeling that I would probably typically just ignore that feature. But I think in the era of big data, it sort of makes sense that the more information I'm willing to provide as a new Spotify user the more comprehensive I am in seeking out all the things that I really, truly love, almost using my phone as a guide to say, if I've got 25,000 or more songs on my phone, who are those artists and which of those artists are not on Spotify? 
meaning I'm finding the artists that are and following them and liking key tracks and setting up my own personal playlist, which has thousands and thousands of songs on it, trying to recreate the playlist via Spotify that I then wouldn't have to turn around and recreate by getting a restored version of my of my cell phone. So in the process of doing that, I'm providing tons of data points, and Spotify does a very capable job of using those data points to put together very interesting daily or near-daily playlists. The one drawback, and the reason that I'm maintaining my own playlist, I think GAB are the initials for that playlist, just GAB, with 6,000 or more songs on it, is because as good as the daily mix approach is, and again, far better than I expected, it also tends to be somewhat, you know, somewhat codified. In other words, when I hit shuffle on my phone, I'm expecting a very broad, almost jarring, intentionally jarring mix of classical music, hard rock, heavy metal, rap, country, Americana, folk, just a big sort of uh, almost a needle scratch on vinyl kind of a sense of variety. And where you know, Spotify may be producing a classic rock list and a really good classic rock playlist. It, over time, that becomes a little bit insufficient for me because what I'm looking for is that true uh, gab mix, that IC underscore Greg kind of combination of genres. So what I did instead, after setting up sort of a huge playlist via Spotify, in fact, I basically set up if you ignore Christmas for the sake of example, I basically set up the three that are the most important to me. One is my huge playlist. The other I call Marathon. And those are songs which are all nine minutes or uh, longer each. So to qualify to be eligible for the Marathon playlist, you've got to be at nine minutes or higher in terms of your length. And then one called Ambient. And the one called Ambient is really, it's always been on my phones or even going back to when I had a Zune device as my primary MP3 player. The Ambient playlist exists to help with things like writing projects or performance review writing, um, things of that nature at work, where I need something that is not silence, but also something that is generally speaking not lyrical. And that kind of is a go-to staple playlist. So Having established those playlists and establishing myself as a Spotify user kind of occurred to me that I might want to stop and take a look at the podcast offerings again, because upon getting my phone back, I realized that probably the number one you know, space hog on my phone are an app like Dogcatcher or some other podcatcher app, and the amount of podcasts that I listen to, which is a, a very large number... And the number of episodes I tend to retain, which can also at times get to be a pretty big number, and then having that occupy more than 50%, maybe at times more than 70% of the space on my phone, was kind of a risk. One of the things that Spotify offers is the ability to simply stream. So instead of downloading the latest episode of something from the Pride 48 network, or the You Must Remember This podcast, then listening to it, then deleting the thing that has been listened to, I've been very willfully exploring streaming as much as I can. Now, like with the music, it's not comprehensive. I went on the music side to say, where are there artists that are either missing completely, and again, some of them for very understandable reasons, or artists where there's gaps? I mean, I seriously don't understand why Chris Rice is missing the first two albums. So my 
single favorite contemporary Christian performer. A lot of his music is represented on Spotify, but where there are, where there are missing albums, the missing albums are really important to me. The Past the Edges album is probably my favorite of his of his work. The song Thirsty on that album, I've called out before in past inappropriate conversations as an important song for me, and it's just not on Spotify. So I made a list of all the artists where there were what I considered to be fairly serious Spotify gaps, things that would keep me using a different MP3 app on my phone for playing the music that was local to my phone, or at least local to this SD card on my phone. And there's about 6,000 songs there. Now, I did make a decision that I wasn't going to be too careful about parsing it out. So if 75 to 80% of the music of Chris Rice is available on Spotify, and I'm kind of unhappy about the missing 20%, the playlist that I created on my MP3 player is all of Chris Rice's music. It's simply, there's a Chris Rice gap, put all of Chris Rice on there. That way, I wasn't going to end up being in any way sort of overloaded or underrepresented. Plus, if one album by an artist I love is missing, maybe more albums over time could become missing. It's one of the things that has always made me hesitant about um, turning to any streaming service, even Apple, and doing so at the expense of having my own music, whether in CD form or otherwise, is that if it's truly a streaming service, then my music collection becomes at the discretion of a third party. Although I don't know for sure that there's a problem there, I'm certainly going to hang on to the music I love in a format that I can manage and control myself as long as possible, meaning I probably do have favorite albums. Uh, Second Honeymoon by Deaf School would be one where I've got it on vinyl, and on CD, and on MP3s. And, by the way, Deaf School is represented pretty well on Spotify. So, the same music in a ton of different forms? Eh, makes sense. But if there were other bands that were just sort of either completely missing from Spotify, or had some sort of a gap on Spotify, I would have had them through them on. I mean, the best example is Garth Brooks. Um, because of Brooks, it's not Spotify's fault. So, you know, Spotify is a Garth Brooks-free zone. But I also needed to go track down specific albums by groups like uh, Fetus, for example. Uh, Dana Gillespie uh, has some gaps in her music. There were things that I was missing from from Don Ellis. I was pleased to find Don Ellis there, but there were still some things I was missing. Uh, Only one of the two albums I value the most from Exine Cervenka. So just to give you a sense, there was quite a few things that I went out and sort of tracked down. Couldn't find on Spotify. And uh, because I was able to maintain my music files, ended up creating a very large playlist that's, I think I just call it non-Spotify on my phone. It's whatever's missing. And it does mean that if I'm on a long trip, which I was just a few weeks ago, driving down the road, I have a choice of whether to consume music in a shuffle-type mode via Spotify or via an MP3 player or whatnot. And likewise, when I got over to the podcast side... There are some podcasts that are not represented on Spotify. No criticism up until a couple of weeks ago. Inappropriate conversations and walk the earth weren't represented there either. But I was able to find the majority of the ones that I wanted to on Spotify and therefore didn't have to re-represent them on my phone unless I just wanted to. The sports podcast that I listen to the most, I'm just so used to being in a groove of hearing them on my phone And it sort of works, where I might be listening to somebody making a prediction about 
this week's um, English soccer games that are scheduled or this week's college football games. And I can, on the same device I'm listening to, jump over to ESPN, look at schedules, see what's televised. It just kind of makes sense to consume the sports the way I always have via downloading podcasts from a podcatcher and then deleting them after I've listened to them. Because your average sports podcast doesn't really have a tremendously great shelf life. Kind of makes sense. But wherever possible, even if it is a podcast that I'm going to consume more often on a phone via MP3, I've still gone through the process of following them on Spotify because you never know, I might make a shift. I've, in fact, very recently made some shifts. And it's in those shifts that I feel like I need to tell kind of the rest of the story. Why am I reintroducing the concept of talkback? And what is my game plan for doing talkbacks? And why in the world for the last couple of episodes of Inappropriate Conversations and online at the Facebook page have I been kind of warning people that there may be some shows that leave the feed? There's a reason behind all that. And after I take a quick break, I'll go into it. But I do want to take a quick break for a promo. Because after a long hiatus, the Last Ovation podcast has returned. The Last Ovation podcast presents short stories on various celebrities where I tell you about their lives, careers, and tragic deaths. Past episodes have featured stars like Sal Mineo, Dorothy Dandridge, and Brad Renfro. Those and more can be found by visiting my website at thelastovation.com. You can find The Last Ovation at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and any other major podcast directory. Thank you for listening. So one of the things that is true about inappropriate conversations, and that I was hopeful would be true, and I'm happy still is, is that everything I've ever recorded from a podcast perspective is still available online. In the last episode in the Different Drummer segment, I talked about some things where I've uh, made some statements in the past or failed to make some statements in the past that I kind of regret. There's some things that I would probably revise could I, if I re-recorded that episode on, on that topic. But I'm not taking anything down. Everything from the you know, experiments in sound quality from the early days to different drummers with whom I've fallen out to opinions about the Electoral College that have evolved because they've clearly needed to evolve. Uh, everything is available at inappropriateconversations.org. But I also know that going to a podcast website and using some sort of a browser, whether it's uh, as convenient as a tablet or as inconvenient as a uh, firmly tethered desktop PC, either way, I'm probably not likely to spend a lot of time consuming something as potentially fluid as a podcast experience by clicking on a link, opening a file, and then you know sticking with that particular website all the way through. So I'm aware from my own habits that I'm not likely to be a consumer of go to the website and listen to all my shows that way. Too many podcasts, too many websites, or in cases, some of them don't even have websites. So inappropriate conversations will remain something of an archive, I suppose, is the way I want to handle that. And what I'll do instead is use TalkBack to bring some of the episodes back forward in time. Forward in time with references to the wrong URL for the show and with promos of podcasts that don't exist anymore. You know, there are certain, there are certain gaps to this approach, 
But there's also value to it in that it gives me an opportunity to represent certain things that I think probably have some merit from the history, the almost 10-year history, of inappropriate conversations. So that's going to be the approach. Now, the reason that I thought of this was that my journey into podcasting has been the learning curve of, of a Luddite, is kind of how I word it. I don't view myself as being the most savvy person when it comes to the technology behind recording, editing, and posting shows. And that definitely shows if uh, you, you know, encountered these programs over time, meaning that me sharing some of the oldest episodes is going to kind of call that back to my attention and perhaps to the attention of others. When I was reading up on what the approach would be on interacting with Spotify through Podbean, which does the hosting for this particular podcast, it was a little bit confusing to me on what might happen. For example, Spotify's specifications require 96 uh, kilobytes or better, and all of the past shows, for the most part, with maybe a couple of exceptions, were recorded at 64. So I had gone through a period of time of sort of presuming that what was likely to occur is that I would jump onto Spotify and only the most recent episodes would actually post because only the most recent episodes have been, you know, posted with the appropriate specifications. I found that disappointing. I did two things in anticipation of that possibility. One was, as soon as I realized that, I began posting it, posting to the specifications that Spotify had put out there and making sure that I would have at least five episodes that kind of met that before I made the jump. And that, of course, was with Inappropriate Conversations 220, the most recent previously released podcast to this one, anticipating that day one on Spotify, there might only be five episodes there. But then I read further, and what it kind of occurred to me was that, oh, uh, you know, it, Spotify will go through a process of trying to um, improve the bit rate and make necessarily uh, necessary technology changes on their side to post as many shows as possible. I was still a little bit fuzzy on what as many shows as possible might mean, but when that occurred to me, then I realized that there is probably a point in the past not long after the presidential elections in 2016, or at least not long after the inauguration in 2017, where there might be a set of shows that I would just choose not to share on Spotify, that that would be the way I would go. And if I didn't have a choice about that, if there were a half dozen, or as it turned out, more than a dozen shows that I would have preferred not to have shared on Spotify, trying to live as closely as humanly possible to their terms and conditions but also simply just trying to manage things like you know, file size, among other things. How could I restrict those shows from being posted and shared via Spotify if Spotify was going to scrub up, clean up, and deliver everything I'd ever recorded? So on the day that I hit that <clears throat> Spotify button on the Podbean website, I didn't know what to expect. Could it be five episodes and that's it? Could it be almost 300, everything that's ever been recorded, the 56 under Walk the Earth banner and the 220 under the Inappropriate Conversations banner, not to mention a couple of postings of promo clips so that if anybody wanted to share a promo for Inappropriate Conversations, there'd be a file available to download in order to help them do that. Which way would it go? And what I didn't really think through, because again, you know, a little bit of experience, learning as I go, was that I had some control via the Podbean site as to how many 
episodes are available to go to various podcatchers at any given time. So, not wanting under any circumstances to permanently remove old shows if I could help it. But also having a standard I intended to live up to in terms of which shows I did not want on Spotify under any circumstances and which ones I kind of did, I kind of you know was able to manage that. So where we stand today is that Spotify right now has about 47 past shows, combinations of the most recent episodes of Inappropriate Conversations and Walk the Earth. It goes back to the summertime of 2017, and I'm going to try to hold on to somewhere in that June time period being the beginning of the Spotify experience of Inappropriate Conversations, and sort of hang on to that, and let the shows build from there, meaning for a while at least, every time I post a new show, I'll extend that episode limit to try to keep the first show fairly stable. Now, it is ironic that a podcast that began in its original incarnation in 2010 and then had a spinoff start midway through 2013 won't have an episode from a beginning of perspective on Spotify until midway through 2017. But this does serve my purposes of trying to do my best to manage the, again, the set specifications and avoiding any sort of potential conflicts by having shows that are too long or have, you know, content that might not meet Spotify's guidelines. I'll always begin out there in the past where I am today. I believe it's Walk the Earth 45 would be the starting point. Uh, Sometimes the earliest episodes will be Walk the Earth 44, but sometimes just as often as not. I'm going to try to target Walk the Earth 45 as the beginning point, meaning that if I can execute this plan, which seems to me I'm going to be able to, it looks like it's going to work, the earliest Inappropriate Conversations show would be uh, Inappropriate Conversations 202, uh, Ladies First, I believe is what I called that one. And we'll hang on to that for a while. I think that If over a long period of time this goes from 47 episodes available to more than 100, then we'll we'll need to think that through at that point and see if maybe the starting point should move a little bit forward in time as well. But I feel like I'm in the best of both worlds. I've been very pleased by this experience of what Podbean offers, what Spotify offers, and how they work together. Because while it was attractive to me to think that maybe every episode I'd ever recorded could be available instantaneously on Spotify... That also meant that there was going to be some shows that I didn't want to share via this means that got up there. And so this is sort of my way of saying there's a point in the past where I'm going to draw the line. And when I share older episodes from this point forward, well, that'll be via TalkBack. So if it hasn't been clear before, the why are we here? Why is this called Echoes via TalkBack? Well, maybe it's going to start to come into focus. Because at the time that I thought that maybe... Spotify would only do things that were legitimately recorded and released at a 96 bit rate. I was thinking that, well, how in the world will I catch anybody? How in the world would the show make sense to anybody if none of those past episodes, to which I from time to time you know, refer to, are available at all? Well, the good news is last year's Christmas talkback series and the uh, opening the scriptures talkback series, those are all already there. So that's covered, meaning that the list of between 70 and 100 past episodes that I thought I might want to echo in the manner I'm planning is now down to about 60. And that's still plenty to spend over the course of many, many months. 
you know, more than a year for sure, probably more than two, three years even, depending on the pace I set for myself, of mixing in brand new episodes of Walk the Earth, which I think is going to be the next thing I record is a new Walk the Earth, brand new episodes of Inappropriate Conversations, with these talkbacks to either or both of those shows, all of which little more than just a way of bringing people in and saying, there's a lot of history here, a lot of previously recorded shows, let me share them with you. And of course, in recording them as a talkback, I can go back to the last final wave file of each one of these episodes, in, post an introduction, and then share them again at the appropriate bitrate. So the original idea that I had seems to be working. It mixes together with avoiding the problem that I was worrying about without me having delete any, to delete any past shows. So I'm kind of a happy camper right now. And so far, so good for me from a Spotify perspective. So do let me know if anyone is finding the experience of listening to shows via Spotify in any way unsatisfactory, particularly if there's something that I can do about that. Now, there may not. The truth is I consume podcasts in a large variety of ways. I still have a phone upstairs, that an iPhone 4C, I think, that still has a few podcasts that are recorded from their original you know, podcast app. Of course, I use Dogcatcher on my phone, and I'm not averse, despite things I said earlier about listening to the occasional show direct from a website. And if I even have some podcast files that I've allowed to convert and appear as music, and my music player app can pick them up right along with music uh, from an MP3 file perspective. So I'm, I'm okay consuming podcasts in lots of ways, and I'm certainly okay with Spotify being one of those ways. So... Next, I guess, from the perspective of talkback, I've done a lot of talk about what a talkback is. Well, what's to come? I think the first one of these that I share in this new Spotify era is going to be the show that, at least according to the stats I've got, has the most downloads of any show that I've ever recorded. In fact, probably two of the next three of these lookbacks to past inappropriate conversations are going to be shows that have the most downloads for me. So, I'll be hitting, um, obviously that means I'll be hitting some of the earliest shows. They've been out longer. They've had more time to accumulate listeners. Again, they're also buried pretty deep in the directory going back to 2010. So I'm going to spend the first few of these looking back that far. But then I'm going to hit a lot of the years along the way. And it won't be a, it won't necessarily be a chronological order of how talkbacks are shared. I'm going to shoot for something maybe a little bit more thematic than that including the first two, which I think have to go together, because it looks at the question of prayer in schools and the First Amendment's Establishment of Religion Clause, and it's almost a two-parter. Certainly an idea is begun in that past episode and finished in the one after it. And the numeration for the talkbacks will match the original episode. So as a talkback episode posts, it will be clear which episode it was originally, and then that can be used to trace back and uh, and make comparisons. Although, by sharing the shows in their entirety, by being, by nature, a bit of a completist, I suppose, there probably wouldn't be any advantage to going back and looking at the older episode, short of maybe reading what the blurb might have said at the time. Because the different drummer and the entire episode will be shared intact. So, coming up in the near future, talkback episodes related to prayer in schools, Sex education, war on drugs, pride. There are things coming in from a talkback perspective that I hope 
will provide some value and help me take advantage as fully as I possibly can of this good experience I'm having so far with the way my website is interacting with Spotify as a service. music we're listening to in the uh, different drummer segment again from kevin mcleod and at Compatech.com, is sheep may safely graze this is a percussive version of that particular melody which was written by our different drummer this week johann sebastian bach bach has been bumped several times and i think that's a fair thing to say at the beginning of a different drummer segment because it calls to question how if different drummers are people from whom i've taken inspiration and if classical music is among the things that are on both my MP3 player and my Spotify playlists, particularly the ambient Spotify playlist, and if I'm going to acknowledge that Bach is probably right there among the giants of the form of of compositional, particularly Baroque classical music, why so long? Well, a couple of reasons. One is he's been bumped numerous times. There's been more than one occasion where Bach was penciled in as the different drummer for this particular topic, and then something happened, and I I pivoted and made, made a change. And here I am again in what I would consider to be something of an introductory episode with background material, history of the show, a state of the station kind of idea, if you will, where Bach is a better different drummer for this than perhaps he might have been for a topic like prayer in school, for example. So... This is one of those cases where the different drummer is being recognized more generally than called out specifically in relation to the topic itself. But I will see what I can do, starting off by using Sheep May Safely Graze as the uh, bumpers to separate the different drummer segment from the rest of this particular inappropriate conversations. As I typically do with the different drummer segment, I will cover biographical material, but only in a very limited way because this is less about biography and more about what my relation is to the different drummer. Where is that inspiration coming from and what does it truly mean to me? I will say that from the perspective of biographical material, Bach in particular, the Great Composers podcast by Kevin Nordstrom, which I only recently discovered, discovered on the jump to Spotify, as a matter of fact. Not that it isn't available to me on an app like Dogcatcher or something else. It just... I would have had to have thought to look for it, whereas Spotify seems to be making suggestions, which I thought was very nice. The first few episodes at the very beginning of that podcast a few years ago begin with Bach, I think four or five episodes in a row. There's better biographies than any biography I might choose to tell. But for the sake of argument, assuming some introduction is needed, Wikipedia is going to provide the one I'm going to use today, starting this way. The Bach family already counted several composers when Johann Sebastian was born as the last child of a city musician in Eisenbach. He was orphaned at age 10. His education continued from there with not just a foundation set by his father, but also with his brother, with whom he lived from between the ages of 10 and 15. 
and then somewhat more formal education after that. A little later on in the intro, it says, Bach enriched established German styles through his mastery of counterpoint, harmonic, and motivic organization, and his adaptation of rhythms, forms, and textures from abroad, particularly from Italy and France. Bach's compositions included hundreds of cantatas, both sacred and secular. He composed Latin church music, passions, oratorios, and motets. He often adopted Lutheran hymns, not only in his larger vocal works, but for instance also in his four-part chorales and sacred songs. He wrote extensively for organ and other keyboard instruments. He composed concertos, for instance for violin and for harpsichord, and suites as chamber music, as well as for orchestra. Many of his works employ counterpunctual genres such as fugue. So, in the case of Bach, you're dealing with somebody who is a, a master of craft, both composition and, uh, to some degree, performance. Known as probably the, uh, the single greatest or among the greatest keyboard players of his time. And getting work often not just for his compositions, but, frankly, for his performance. Starting out as somebody who was trained in violin, but moving when he lived with his brother after his parents died uh, to incorporate keyboard in was extremely influential for Bach. It's said that Bach didn't necessarily, as one of the greatest composers of all time, create new form. But what he did was take the artistry of existing form to levels that, at least at that point in time, had never been matched, and in some cases, not even fully conceived as possible. And I have a tremendous amount of appreciation for that. A couple things about Bach that I find interesting and inspirational. One was his ability to take whatever he was given, whether it be the constraints of church music, for one, or the use of specific instruments as another, and make it work. He wasn't necessarily going to express his creative uh, his creative inputs and make his stamp on the uh, music that he loved by you know, making a genre that didn't previously exist. He was seemingly content with taking what was happening around him and making it, well, maybe exponentially better. I remember giving my father for Father's Day one year a book. This must have been when I was in college. It goes back that far. Of Godel Escher Bach, making some statements that the, the certain mathematical qualities of Bach as a musician, Escher as an artist, all sort of tied together, that there's something positively scientific about his work, if you look at it from that perspective. But Bach also brought a great deal of passion. His biographies, if not told with hyperbole, uh, describe a man who who was passionate, often angrily defiant of, of his employers, cutting short what could have been a career in higher education, in part because he just didn't like being told what to do. And as fiery as you might expect the kind of the cliche of an artist today, we don't often hear that same standard provided to Bach. A lot of his biographies, for example, are very cleaned up. He's um, he's literally on that Mount Rushmore of music. And for some, that means, you know, we gloss over some of the things about him that were a little bit fiery and tempestuous and negative. For example, Bach once spent a, a good solid month in jail for the way he treated his princely employer. These are not the kind of things that necessarily bubble to the top of biographies about Bach's work. Instead, Bach is is revered to such a degree that it kind of calls to mind one of my favorite moments in M.A.S.H., the TV show. I'm not going to say it's my favorite episode because I'm sure it's not my favorite episode of the show. 
But there was a subplot to one episode where uh, the Radar O'Reilly character, very introverted, self-conscious, not good with the ladies, was seeking advice from the doctors on how to woo a particular woman he found to be extremely attractive and becoming concerned because he found out that her tastes in art and music were far more highbrow than his own and he wasn't sure how he could approach her and date her with that gap in interests. And he gets coached by the Hawkeye character about ways to sort of fake it. They give him a Cliff's Notes version of the classical music, ways of dropping names about composers and artists that, that they know that this particular nurse would love. And the one line that struck me, it probably is my favorite line in the history of MASH as a TV show, is, ah, Bach. They basically tell Radar that if she brings up a composer that he's not familiar with or a topic that he's uncomfortable with, that he can just simply change the subject. And on on the subject of Bach, again, this giant of, of composition and classical music, his game plan was just, whenever she brought it up, to just say, ah, Bach, and leave it at that. And of course, it fails to work uh, to comic results. But it's such that anybody who's a fan of, of Bach, as I am, and of the TV show MASH, probably knows it, such that just those two words, ah, Bach, is a bit of a shorthand, both to an appropriate nod to you know a giant of classical music, and also to a, a funny moment in the history of a long-running TV sitcom. For me, if I were to single out that starting point, you know, when did I begin to notice Bach in particular, and take classical music far more seriously than I did before, is Brandenburg Concertos. And uh, I can remember even to the day that that moment occurred. And it's interesting because it's kind of like what happens when you've, you've read Shakespeare in a classroom versus when you actually experience uh, Shakespeare's plays on stage as they're intended. There's a difference between an educational approach to something, uh, required reading, if you will, and the actual experience of art. And that gap is probably larger than can be appropriately described. Being a ninth grader in the 19, late 70s, early 80s, I was not yet in high school when my brother came back from, for Christmas break from his first year in college as a freshman. There was that kind of distance between us. My parents had successfully uh, spaced the kids out, maybe not to two-year differences from a calendar perspective, but to two-year differences from a grade perspective. My sister was in seventh grade, my younger one. My older sister was a junior in high school. I was in ninth grade. My brother had gone off to college and come back. And one of the classes he had that first year was a music appreciation class. And the particular piece of music that he had latched onto was the first movement of Brandenburg Concerto V. And I remember hearing that, and to some degree hearing it through his ears. I mean, his esteem for the music uh, made me listen to it more carefully, maybe listen to it perhaps a little bit differently. But I was able to hear what my older brother was hearing and have kept this particular piece of music with me all these years as among my favorite individual pieces of classical music. It's also telling that the sort of uh, hero status that Bach receives, the ah Bach moment from from music aficionados, it's kind of at play here, too, with the Brandenburg Concertos. I'll read again from Wikipedia. This one, a little bit deeper in the article, talking about particular works. 
Bach's best-known orchestral works are the Brandenburg Concertos, so named because he submitted them in hope of gaining employment from Margrave Christian Ludwig of Brandenburg-Schwedt in 1721. His application was unsuccessful. I just think that's just a wonderful sentence, that the um, looking for jump in job-to-job and reaching out to Margrave of the Brandenburg-Schwedt and the Brandenburg Concertos named to sort of help him get an up in that, he didn't get the job. The biography of Bach is filled with these moments of uh, either his temper or his uh, restlessness kind of interfering with what might be uh, a single linear upward line of from being uh, an orphan of parents who died when he was only 9 or 10 years old to success, as all of our lines are. The line's a bit jagged. It has its ups and downs, and I find it incredibly amusing and heartening that the work that I enjoy the best was probably, at the time, perceived by Bach as being unsuccessful, to at least to the degree of if it was intended as a job application, he didn't get the interview, or at the very least, if he got the interview, he, he didn't get the job. I mentioned earlier that there would be a reference to past inappropriate conversations within this different drummer segment. My brother only had the one movement of Brandenburg Concerto V, and he didn't have much of anything else from other Brandenburg Concertos. It was just one or two tracks in a music appreciation course that was looking to music from the history of time, including tribal drumming at the very beginning, all the way to maybe Louis Armstrong was would be the most recent thing in that coursework that he was taking. So he went out to seek a complete Brandenburg Concertos collection, and the one he came back with was released by Wendy Carlos. I refer to Wendy Carlos and her work and that particular album from you know my you know, young adulthood, late childhood, however you want to word that, in Inappropriate Conversations number 177. I called it Transitional Terminology. It was released November 12th, 2015. By keeping careful track all these years on an index uh, of dates that I'm going to grant are approximate, not necessarily uh, dead on to the day accurate, but certainly accurate uh, within the concept of a month, perhaps, I can at any time refer back to an old show. Who was the different drummer for that episode? In this case, Wendy Carlos. What was the topic? How does it tie in? And it's a good example of making reference again to Bach as a different drummer in part because of the Brandenburg Concertos and Wendy Carlos being a different drummer in part because of an electronic keyboard performance of that you know um, symphonic work. It ties together. If I was really mindful of it and careful of it, my guess is that on the Inappropriate Conversations Facebook page or on Twitter, I could find something almost every week that would be a, a relevant reference to a past show. Now, instead of just pointing people to the inappropriateconversations.org website and the place where that show was originally posted, now I'm going to try to manage it more proactively using talkbacks and do so to take as full advantage as I can of Spotify being a different way of consuming the Inappropriate Conversations and Walk the Earth podcasts.
The format of this show, for anyone who is new, is that it begins pretty much every episode with, Hello, I'm Greg. Let's have an inappropriate conversation about... We'll see what happens on the intro to talkback episodes, because the Hello, I'm Greg is already embedded in the show that I intend to share. So we'll have to see how I want to do that going forward. And it almost always ends with a thanks for listening um, as well. For Walk the Earth, the format is even more simple. Each Walk the Earth episode is looking at a question, and a question that is typically related to the experience of attending church, or in the case of the mission statement of that particular podcast on this feed, uh, leaving one church and trying to find another. And along the way, finding plenty of questions, uh, things that you just sort of take for granted if you always go to the church you've gone to. And I'll let the Walk the Earth podcast cover that. There's a link at the top of the page at inappropriateconversations.org. One is an about link that talks about the format of the Inappropriate Conversations show. Another is an article called Christianity 201, Time for Solid Food. Then there's also a Walk the Earth link. And that Walk the Earth link is a way of kind of clicking in and getting to a category index that groups all past episodes in reverse chronological order of the Walk the Earth podcast. But that particular show begins with a question, ends with a prayer. That's sort of its format. And the body in the middle between the theme music from uh, Kevin McLeod is my attempt to answer that question. So as we go forward for the next few months, maybe even a couple of years, I'll be dropping in references to past shows, increasing the bit rate of them, and attaching some introductory words that mean that I can still speak into this conversation represented by this podcast, even if most of the show is going to be little more than a callback. Thanks for listening. Pride 48 Network. Find more shows over at pride48.com.